You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. I'm working on my intro there because I want to sound more like a like a um, like a, a quiz show um, host. like Ted Rogers, yeah, like or, Ted or Rogers. Leslie Crowther. You are my dusty bin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know my auntie? My auntie, when oh. I was a boy, had one of those dusty bins. Now, Brilliant. I don't think she went on. Uh, what was it called? Three, two, one. What's it called? Three, two, one. Three, yeah. two, one. I don't think she went on three, two, one, but she had one of those dusty bins you get if you've been. I don't know how she got it, um, but I was very. Very envious of that little um, little ornament that she had. I wonder if she still there, got there's it. There's a slight element of, of three, two, one to the daily briefings, isn't there? I think <laughs> you know they should bring we out must, all the. They should we bring must out flatten the sombrero, keep yeah. our under one. <laughs> yes, and um, you know that was uh, Maggie Moon, the singer, brought that one out, and she said, "Flatten the sombrero and bring our under one." Yeah. and it turns out it's a holiday. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a holiday could, to nowhere. Maybe they could bring in, uh, or maybe a holiday to your local park where you can sit down for ten minutes. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because uh, that is Magic Monday, isn't it? It's is Magic Monday. You've but seen all the. I've seen everything, but before we get to that, yeah, I must again, of course, warn the listener that in normal times you would come only to us for your news. I'm aware of that, yeah. and you're very loyal in that sense, and we appreciate it, but. I am just just want to reiterate the fact that during these rather abnormal times, perhaps you should go to the New Europeans website, pick up the paper, um, maybe listen to the Today Show, or even just just you know ch- check in with the Daily Briefing because things are changing. And by the time you hear us again next week, things perhaps will have changed some more. But we'll get to that. Um, but we will also, of course, today bring you the news anyway just in case you do yeah. just come here for your news. Um, there will be rambling, which seems to be everyone's favourite bit of this podcast, frankly. And then there will be um, a Brexiteer of the Week, Steve Wharton. Oh, and I think you've got a quiz, haven't you? Oh, there's a little quiz. And what's it's your quiz on little, this week? It's a lovely little quiz. Because you know what? Well, I've, had it, I've had it with team quizzes and Zoom quizzes, me. I walked out of one on Friday night. I went to bed. Did you? Did, yeah. Could you not get any of the answers? I just, I just, I'm done and left. I, just went, I went to bed. I wasn't performing particularly well, but that wasn't the issue. Um, right. What, I'll tell you what the issue was. I doubt anyone who was on that quiz will listen to this podcast. But the issue was, this is a group, there's a group of friends 
Um, and they're a group of friends which have been friends for a very long time. And okay, but, so they're your friends, no, not no, your, not no, no, not no, your no. lovely partner's friends. No, not my friends. My my oh, friends are far they too. They are your lovely partner's yeah, friends. Far too snarky and old to have anything like a teams quiz. Um, okay. So 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 they're you know a little, a little bit younger than me, um, and um, they they did the normal rounds, you know general knowledge i like them beat the intro around that's where i do well you know sport things like that yeah and then he said and here is some questions about our group of friends and i was like oh. what are you kidding me are you kidding me i said you know what bedtime bedtime that's for bedtime. an old man like me so I, I, was yeah. I went went to bed uh, i bet they were all shrieking weren't they at the thought of something that they did in yeah Ooh, puked up everywhere last night. Who posted that on Facebook in 2009? You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm I'm done, dude. I'm off. So off I went. But your quiz, I'm sure, will be lots of fun. What's it on? It's on what happened to Prime Ministers after they stopped being Prime Minister. Ah. And I will explain why shortly. Well, that'll be interesting because I'm pretty good on Prime Ministers because I've read... um, I've I've pretty much read... Uh, biographies or autobiographies for, for, I reckon probably every Prime Minister of the last 100 years Well this will be good then You'll, be good. All right, you'll, get, you'll get 5 out of 5 5 questions, ok so, so we'll do that a little bit later um, and, then, we will. and then we will crown a Brexiteer of course uh, but first, yes, happy Monday Beckons, are you excited? Not really, no <laughs> uh, Hooray <laughs> I mean, Magic Monday, Happy Monday, uh, those are the headlines. The male's headline was Hurrah, Freedom Beckons. Yeah. And I don't, can you remember another famous male headline that had the word Hurrah? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't remember. It was, I don't remember. Well, it. No, you might. But it, was, it was Hurrah for the Black Shirts in 1934. Yeah. Um, a very different setup to today's Daily Mail. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's it's entirely magic to be able to go out twice a day and, and possibly have a picnic. It's not. It's not. But um, you know, small small mercies, um, and it does seem that there, you know, progress is is being made. So I, I don't begrudge anyone there. Um, it, it, you know, the, the fact that they're look, looking forward to this uh, and. I dare say that someone, people who've never had a picnic before, will be enjoying a picnic by Monday lunchtime. Um, you know what will happen, don't you? On Monday, it will start raining and it won't stop. That's well. That's that's, that's right. Yeah. Until September. I would say to have something to look forward to. It, it's got to be something that's worth looking forward to, isn't it? You know. I mean, I mean, I, I haven't got a garden, so to be able to sit down yeah. on some grass for a little bit might be quite nice. But I, yes, I mean, I mean, one of the suggestions of the things that he's going to announce on Sunday is that you can sit on one park bench. Your mate can sit on another park bench, and then you can have a chat. Now, I live very near a park. Let, let me tell you, this is this is already happening. Yeah. This is happening already, isn't it? But does you that know? mean? Would, can we? How do you book a park bench? It's a bit like a pool table in a pub. Do you put a quid on the arm? Yeah, yeah. And then this idea that you can go to rural areas but not the beach. I mean, for quite a lot of people. Their nearest rural area is the beach. I wonder, so, it's a strange one, that. So what's the difference? Why, why classic? Is it because people, you know, do people get amorous at beaches? Well, I think the difference is that they, they expect that lots of people from towns will come ah, and, I see, you know, yeah, 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 will descend but, on, on Blackpool. 
Did you... beaches by their very nature tend to be quite large, don't they? Do, they? they do, they especially, do. Especially down by where we live in the, um, the, 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 the east coast of England. Uh, there are there are massive beaches um, here where even you know even on in the in the the height of summer you, you can find a place away from other people reasonably easily. Uh, so um, it, it is easy. I saw a brilliant uh, a brilliant tweet um, from a chap who uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but nonetheless it made me laugh. It said, "I sold my house in LA um, to travel the world, and I've been stuck in Blackpool in England for six weeks." <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it, it should be said that there are quite a lot of people who don't want to go out at all, aren't there? There are. Um, why did he go them, to Bla- you know, I want to know why he went to Blackpool at all. But anyway, sorry. Well, on. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. From LA to Blackpool. Um, well, maybe he was just trying to sort of bed himself in. I don't know. Maybe he just needed to see sand and water. <laughs> but um, uh, Blackpool. But, yeah. Blackpool. When was the last time I went to Blackpool? Uh, I can tell you exactly when the last time um, I went to Blackpool was because it was for a Manchester City pre-season game uh, in the season where Alan Ball was was the manager and we got relegated at the end. uh, Who was the chairman that year? It was Franny Lee, forward with Franny Lee. And That's we, it, Franny uh, Lee. But who, who did Franny Lee took over from? It looks a bit like Mr Burns. He took over from Peter Swales. That's yeah. right, Peter Swales. Peter Swales, and it was a, a great new era, and he um, he appointed his friend. He, he tried to get Franz Beckenbauer, who was one of his friends, yeah, uh, World Cup winner and multiple um, European trophy winner as a player and manager. And when he couldn't get him, he got Alan Ball, who was a World Cup winner, but not a very good manager. Yeah, a bit, uh, we different, got relegated. bit different from So France it was in nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. I can tell you now it was in it would have been in July or August of nineteen ninety five. Well I I think the last time I went was uh I'd be, I'd be a student about two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Mm. It's always a bit of mm. a I, I I've only been on one night out in Blackpool and I think, and that was there was a football match that day, and uh, yeah, I think I'll probably leave a night out in Blackpool. To be honest, yeah, 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 bit yeah. hectic. Anyway, there'll be none of that in Blackpool, and you won't even be able to go to the beach. Why if you live in Blackpool? Sorry, why if you live in Blackpool, are you allowed on the beach then? Well, I think I don't think you are allowed on the beach. People who live in Brighton are not allowed on the beach, are they? They're, you know, we saw those people who were who were having a, a little. Um, what were they having? They were having a little barbecue being turfed off. But That's I think, right, yeah. You know, I think it's. Um, I think you can walk on the beach, but I think you, I don't think you can sit down on the beach. No, no, and that so, will, that will remain. That seems it does seem a bit odd. I agree with you. It is it is a little bit odd, but as I say, there are lots of people who don't think we should go out at all. There are lots of people that um, that are worried that um, any sort of restriction easing is going to come to um, to. Um, quickly uh, and it's being done for all kinds of reasons some we've got some readers uh, questions in a minute that we will uh, we will go through and people are asking about that well um, i think I, I mean I, I mean other people obviously are saying these restrictions are you know crazy now and they should all be lifted and we we have become a nation of terrified people and the risk uh, is actually not that great um those kind of people, I, I tend, you know, when you see who those people are, you tend not to believe them, don't you? So, it, 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 like we said last week, this is a difficult balancing act, and I think the the thing that, but the but the first thing is to make sure people are safe, and I do think 
that a lot of this is going to be down to the messaging. They've got to get this so right. Um, because if people suddenly think, uh, this is it, it's over, we can get back to pretty much life as normal, then we, you know, if, the, if those people are in large numbers, then we really do risk the, a second peak. And if there is a second peak, it is going to do so much harm to the economy yeah. as well as lots of lives are going to are going to be lost as well. So the thinking behind gradually lifting uh, the, uh, the 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 lockdown is to try and ease the economy back in. But all, you know, any of those good intentions will be lost if people um, don't continue to live in a very different way than they did before. I would like to know, and I've taken so much stick over my views on the, on the return of schools, that it does seem that the government is kind of in line with my thinking. So fingers crossed they get that one right at least, because I don't want to end up uh, with a further kicking on, on social media. Well, I'd like to congratulate you on your new role as Education Secretary. That's, well, do you know what? that's tremendous. Do you know what? I, I, I mean, I, wouldn't, I would have kept the schools open. <laughs> you would have just kept them open? Yeah, I would. I would, yeah. yeah, and I would cancel some holidays, but I'm not allowed to say those things because uh, you know you're not massively allowed to have an opinion on this. But uh, anyway, um, so what? Uh, so 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 next weekend, me and you can meet upon a park bench. We could do we this on a, a park bench, can't we? We can do a live recording on a park bench, and everybody, you can you can come and join us as long as you um, as long as you're two meters away from everybody else. We, with the kind of audiences we attract, I think that'll be fine, <laughs> won't it? We should be able to. Have, we should be able to have it in somebody's backyard. Well, that, uh, as, like that. that's funny because it's not true. No, it's not true. We would actually have to hire out, well, a rather large place if we all came together at once, wouldn't we? We would. Yes, we would. Um, yes, it's a, it's a constant source of um, bewilderment and, and pride, the size of the audience for this podcast. Um, right. I'll tell you but, what we would have been doing this weekend. I'll tell you what I would have been doing this weekend, if you want. Yeah, go on. Uh, marching for Europe. Well, there is, because it, it's, it's Europe Day on, it on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it's VE Day on Friday, obviously, when, when you're listening to this. We're recording this on the Thursday. Then it's Europe Day on the Saturday, which, you know, um, I think has never really taken off in the UK. Has no. it? Um, but there was going to be a big march, uh, uh, a big march on Westminster, like the ones that we all went to um, over the last three years. Um, and on, for obvious reasons, that's not happening. You can uh, take videos of yourself marching uh in your place of residence and um, tweet them to hashtag 2020 March for EU. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, Europe Day um, is uh, well, that would be very low key celebrations. Well, there's some somewhat more boisterous in Germany, I think, where, or in Austria, where everything. I think the pubs are reopened there, aren't they? And the restaurants, and they're about to reopen in Germany uh, as well. But here, I think we're going to have to wait for. What do they say in August, November? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's very dependent on um, it's very dependent on what happens in phase two, isn't it? I guess, but uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, sooner sooner the better, but only when it's safe. I mean, that's got that has got to be the message. I don't think that we want to rush opening anything if it's not safe. Um, and it, uh, and uh, you know that I think that is surely that has got to be the got to be the message. Garden centres are going to be the first to reopen, aren't they? Maybe some. 
some garden what centers, would be seen yeah. as non-essential. Everyone's bloody obsessed with garden centres. It's a very British, it's a very British end to lockdown, isn't it? Right, traps, get the garden centres open. Off I need some bedding center. plants. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh God, oh my, my mother used to drag me to garden centres on a Sunday because she thought it was middle class. I mean, that's the, that is literally it, isn't it? Get the garden centre open. You know, I mean, wow. Yeah, I fire up the rover and get my driving gloves. We're going to the garden centre, dear. Well, I see, I, I see um, IKEA or IKEA, depending on whether you pronounce it right or not. Um, is uh, they're, they're talking about reopening? That's that's for my, you know, with with that and with that and I mean that and Waitrose opening. All I really need is John Lewis then for the hat trick. <laughs> uh, for the for the the middle class hat trick, um, yeah. and then I'll be completely happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I I'm, I won't be going to the garden centre whether it's open or not. But there you go. Uh, right. Um, I, I wonder if uh, Steve, we should have a little chat about your attire. My attire. Yes, please yes, tell us what are you, what are you wearing. Uh, at the moment, I'm wearing this a pair like of, of those, blue shorts. It's like one of those expensive phone calls you make from your blue landline, isn't shorts. it? That's right, and I'm wearing a, a uh, I'm wearing a T-shirt with the front cover of the album Future Days by the the, the German band Can on. Ah, of course, you're a big Can fan. Sad news from I am a uh, Can fan. Sad sad news with regards to uh, Kraftwerk, of course, this week. Yeah, which we it's, both it's, are fans it's of. It's very sad. Yeah, I mean, good the good musicians seem to be um, dropping like flies, don't they? Hamilton Bohannon, we had. Um, Obviously, we had uh, poor old Genesis P. Orridge a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, not so much a musician, but, you know, uh, there was music involved, certainly. And, um, yeah, um, uh, Florian Schneider uh, died. Uh, I think he died of, I think he died some days ago, hasn't he? But we, we found out yesterday. yesterday. Yes, very sad. Rest in peace, of course, and thank you for everything. It I is. mean, I will, I will take on the, the baton of Kraftwerk, uh, you know, with my... Well, um, with your stylophone, that's right. That's right. Um, but anyway, I tell you what I'm wearing. I've got, a, I've got a pair of jeans on, and they've got a rip in the right knee. That's how trendy I am. Okay. I mean, that's amazing. I didn't buy them like that. They've just worn through. Uh, oh, I see. But I think what it tells us, certainly with me and my ripped jeans and you with your tighty uh, shorts on, is that maybe we need uh, a personal stylist. But they're yeah. quite expensive, aren't they? And also you they go, are. also you tend to have to go and see them. So let me tell you about Stitch Fix. It's an online personal styling service for women and men uh, where an expert stylist picks clothes for you based on your taste, size and budget and then sends them directly to your door. It's easy, it's fun. You fill out a style quiz about your clothing preferences. It's dead simple to use, the website. Uh, you pick a delivery date and then the stylist hand selects it, sends you five items of clothing. Obviously, you know, you've told them what fits and, and what doesn't. Uh, you try it on at home, you decide what to buy, then you send it back. There's a charge of 10 quid for your stylist delivery and returns are free. So um, basically, you don't have to trawl through. I, I mean, I'm a terrible shopper, me. I, I'm no good at shopping, especially for clothes. I just cannot be bothered. I'm, I'd still be wearing the clothes that my mum bought me as a teenager, frankly, if I could, if I was allowed to. <laughs> and it sounds like you are with your can t-shirt on. Um, but, you know, I would still, I'd, I'd still be wearing old band t-shirts and stuff if I didn't have some help on this. Um, but, you know, I, I've got even more help now. 
You don't need to go to a shop. You don't need to troll through a website. You've got an expert who actually knows about these things who does it for you. Stitch Fix stocks uh, more than 100 men's and women's brands, including well-known stuff, niche brands, and they've got their own exclusive in-house brands as well that you won't find anywhere else. Um, So it works, basically. You don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. You can order a one-off delivery, um, so you're not tied to it. Um, and, and you know, I think the best bit is that you get these expert styling tips. They give you ideas on what to wear, what to send, what to wear them with, etc., etc. So, get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by doing it. Go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash new right now. That is stitchfix s t i t c h f i x dot co dot uk forward slash new n-e-w and try it out and you will not look like a scruff as me and steve do excellent excellent indeed that Um, sounds very good it does it does i think we've got some reader questions haven't we steve we have got some reader questions should we should we should we go right into them let's do it uh shall we well i I mean a lot of questions are, are, are about the coronavirus um, you can send. I mean, feel free to send us questions any time you like. Absolutely. There are some about coronavirus and how the government has handled it. Um, I am going to wrap a couple of these uh, up together uh, because uh, a couple of these men, uh, are related to your friend and uh, and mine. Uh, Clive asks: When Matt Hancock promised a hundred thousand tests a day, why didn't anyone ask him what particular day he meant? Yeah, and, and Matt in and right. Matt in Westminster says, "Does anyone want to buy four hundred thousand gowns with the Turkish flag on them?" <laughs> Which I'm sure is not actually Matt Hancock in Westminster. Well, you could, you could you could add them to your um, MAGA caps that you bought when Trump came over. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> they, I was actually before I got that email purporting to be from Matt Hancock in Westminster. I was thinking because they they did buy these gowns from Turkey, didn't they? And, right, yeah. um, and and they've, these PPE gowns, and they've proven to be unsuitable. And now they're trying to get their money back. And, uh, you know, I wonder whether they were in, emblazoned with the traditional, they were sort of Turkish football uh, PPE gowns, and they were emblazoned with the slogan, Welcome to Hell, uh, which the uh, which <laughs> yeah, obviously the Turkish football fans, fans <laughs> the Galatasaray fans, have adopted, haven't they? And I, I'm not sure... You know, if you were if you were in hospital and you saw a surgeon coming towards you wearing a gown emblazoned with the words "Welcome to Hell," that it would fill you with a lot of confidence. Um, Football out there is insane, isn't it? Matt Mancock, Matt Hanjell, yeah, has had another terrible week, hasn't he? I I mean, he's he's wobbling, isn't he? Four days with one one day of tests above hundred thousand, then four immediate days afterwards, not even close, really. and, he lost and then, his temper, didn't he? With um, he lost his temper with uh, Doctor Rosanna Ali Khan. He said that she should watch her tone when when she sort of said this has all been a terrible balls up, hasn't it? Mm. Um, and then yesterday, <laughs> he seemed extremely uh, Prime Minister's questions. He seemed extremely surprised, didn't he, when Boris Johnson said, "So soon, we, our target is to be testing two hundred thousand people a day." When will, he seemed to roll his eyes? When will politicians realise that making <clears throat> making almost arbitrary figures like this is, is just digging your own grave? I mean, it's stupid, absolutely stupid. 
Um, Targets like this are just... They're just traps. They're traps laid by yourself, you know. And and yeah, I just I understand. I mean, the reason it's a very human reason. You go, this will buy me some time, and I'll be able to. I'll make it work before then. But there are obviously lots of reasons that many of which will be out of Matt Hancock's control um, as to why the one hundred thousand figure isn't being met. Um, but that is what he's going to be remembered for. And again, you know, these are promises that have been broken and. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just dumb. And for Boris to say two hundred thousand, I mean, that was that wasn't going to be the headline from PMQs until he said it, and then it was. And it's like, right then, at the end of the month, <laughs> we'll be asking yeah. the same questions again. And as it stands now, I can't see him getting to two hundred thousand. If he can't even make hundred thousand for more than one day, you know, one single day, um, I mean, I, 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 it just baffles me. And I imagine Boris's people were, had head in hands. Um, while watching PMQs during that whole thing, and yes, Matt has had a, another bad week. Um, and I another think... very bad week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Duncan Cleal yeah. uh, says, "Why are the government even considering easing the lockdown when we're headed for even more deaths?" Simon in Ambridge, I'm sure he doesn't actually come from Ambridge, says, "Is the softening of lockdown and the Neil Ferguson story?" Uh, all the distraction from how badly the government have handled this crisis. Yeah. Uh, Birgit says, how can we still allow people flying into this country without screening and isolation until they have a negative test result? It should be enforced like well, in Hong Kong. Let me t- can, I t- I'll, I'll, can I answer a couple of those? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there's other questions about, you know, why, why haven't we been told about testing... Uh, so yeah, why don't you take some of those? So I'll, t- I'll, I'll do them in order. So Duncan, um, why are the government even considering easing the lockdown? <clears throat> well, th- th- you know, as difficult as this and as un- unpalatable as this might be, there has to be a balance between there has to be a balance between um, you know the 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 impact this is having. I think Norman Lamont this week said that the public have got no idea. The, the public are, are, are blind to what is around the corner, and that is a huge, huge uh, economic um, impact, which is going to be very, very painful. And for the for yeah. the time that we remain in lockdown, that only gets worse. And it is, you know, do we know enough? I think we know more about the virus now than we did seven weeks ago, and I think that perhaps can allow us to ease the lockdown a little bit because you know, it is absolutely tragic that 30,000 plus people have died. And, and let's face it, tens of thousands more are going to die as well. You know, we, I think we'll be very lucky in this country if it's under 50,000. I think that seems completely, you know, impossible, frankly. And people are going to carry on dying of this dreadful illness for, you know, not not just for the next few months. People are still going to be dying of coronavirus at the end of the year, aren't they? Let's, let's be honest, even hopefully yeah. in small numbers. Um, but... There is a very tricky decision, you know. If we the impact of children not going to school, of people not having jobs, um, of the economy bombing like it is, and I swear to God, it's going to be. I mean, if you thought austerity was bad, that is going to be nothing compared to what we're going to have, even if it's for a shorter period. Coming out of this, um, we've already seen 
firms using coronavirus as an excuse to uh, get rid of staff that that'll continue companies that were failing will use this as an excuse or bosses will use it as an excuse for their own failings but then there will be perfectly good businesses that will fail after this or are already failing um, because of this so we have to get the balance right there has to be at some stage some kind of reopening of 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 the country so that the uh, economy doesn't completely crash because we're not just talking about the lives of you know obviously we've got to do everything we can to keep it as safe as possible and to make sure that people don't you know don't don't die uh unnecessarily or you know (laughs) everything we can at least um but equally we're talking about people's futures as well here we're talking about young people who perhaps were perhaps just about to enter the workforce who now probably won't meet anywhere close to their earning potential for another 10-15 years we're talking Mm. about people's Mm. young people's education which has been disrupted already for seven weeks that's that's a massive amount of time if you're in a secondary school um imagine if that stretches to a year i mean are we gonna we gonna get a vaccine this year well seems unlikely doesn't it so what, no school until we get a vaccine? And then what if the vaccine doesn't work? Are we honestly saying that we will be in lockdown for years and years and years? I'm afraid it can't. It, that, that can't be. And as other countries come out of lockdown, the you know our economy suffers even worse as theirs recover. So there has to be, as hard as it is, and and as and as dreadful as it must sound for people who've had someone who's been ill, or even worse, had someone who's died. We can't expect 70 million people to remain in lockdown um, indefinitely. It's just not. It's just not possible. And even if this disease was even far worse than it was, and was and was taking out you know children and and uh, and things like that, and it it was even you know it's impossible to cure. We couldn't stay in lockdown forever. There needs to be a way of managing what our normal is. And this is why I mentioned the messaging earlier on. It's so important that the government, when easing the lockdown, make it clear that social distancing rules will continue to apply. It seems like, if we look at the R rate, of course, I mean, that's probably the most startling figure, I think, of the success of social distancing. That seems to be working. So as long as we're ready and willing to go back into a stronger lockdown if something reoccurs... I would support the, the gentle easing of it. I'm not saying that we open pubs. I don't think we do that anytime soon. Theatres, you know, football stadiums. I know there's arguments that football stadiums are outside, but I just think why have people gathered together? It just seems like an unnecessary thing to do. Um, but simply to leave us all inside and leave these companies um, just <laughs> unable to do anything and the money that is coming out, our taxpayer money that is going to pay for this, that we will need to fund schools hospitals, roads, everything else um, that we need in the coming years is just, uh, you know, is being spent on something else. And and the longer it goes on, the bigger the impact this will be. Um, And so that's why, Duncan, really. I mean, that is is simply, yes, we're headed for more deaths. Um, That that is simply true. There is going to be more deaths. What we've got to do is minimise the amount of those deaths that are, that are caused by lifting of restrictions, and hopefully we've got to a point where, um, you know, pe- whether we lift the restrictions or not, people are going to carry on catching coronavirus. We've seen that. We've been in lockdown for for seven weeks now, almost, and people are still catching coronavirus. So it, it that that will continue. 
hopefully we won't see a big rise. But the next two weeks, those figures over the next two or three weeks are going to be are going to be telling. And I, I you know, there there is an element of hope that it isn't getting worse, isn't there? Because I don't think the science has quite yeah. caught up yet. But uh, anyway, Duncan, that's that's my view. Um, Simon in Ambridge, I'm going to. So the the Neil Ferguson thing was astounding uh, for numerous reasons that we probably well we don't really need to go, to go into. I'm sure you all saw the story of the Neil Ferguson was the um, the scientist. He he did claim that two hundred thousand deaths, two hundred fifty thousand deaths might occur, um, which I think probably is, is is rather high. But it was his advice and his modelling that sort of prompted urgent action from the government. Uh, he. He's continued to advise the government, very well respected in his field, um, but he also um, was having a visitor, shall we say, who happens to have a husband. But anyway, uh, that's by the by. Um, the suggestion on, on Twitter, especially this week, has been that I've seen some outrageous conspiracy theories that the Telegraph were have been sat on this story Hitting and they, the story, they were only yeah, released yeah. it for when we went over 30,000. It's all a big conspiracy Right, stop it. That is utter nonsense. Um, if you're an investigative journalist and you've got a story, you don't sit on it because the likelihood is if you've got it, someone else Somebody has got else a little sniff it. of it as well. So that's just codswallop. The Telegraph, you might not like them, but they ain't sat on stories to make the Tory government look good. Uh, it, it, it's just lunacy. You are absolutely talking utter, utter tribe. It's not true. Um, the softening of lockdown... Uh, I wasn't talking directly to you then, Simon. By the way, I know you were just asking a question. I was talking to people on Twitter who've been uh, who've been spouting this outrageous conspiracy theory. The softening of lockdown is it a distraction from how badly the government have handled the crisis? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they're softening it because um, you know the Treasury and beyond are very, 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 yeah. very concerned about the about the financial situation, and also other countries are doing it, and there is starting to be a little bit for the first time i feel this week people going i'm struggling here now i uh, you know this is this has been going on a long time we need a little something we need you know we need something to to see that we're moving forward i think there's an element of that as well and also the r it's below one um the nhs hasn't been overwhelmed uh you know we can criticize the government but i think the fact that the the nightingale hospital stands pretty much unused actually is is good news uh, it means that something's going going right, even if those figures are, are incredibly high. So, uh, no, frankly, no. You can look for conspiracy theories, and just because it's a conspiracy theory doesn't mean it's not true. But in this instance, the, the government, are, you know, they could they could uh, they could do anything this weekend. People are still going to talk about PPE and testing for the rest of forever. It ain't going away, whatever they do. Uh, so, Simon, and I'm sure Ambridge is lovely this time of year. Um, so do enjoy it, and hopefully you can go and have a nice uh, a, a nice picnic um, uh, next week. But honestly, there is there aren't any conspiracy theories going on here. And then, uh, do you think it's Bridget or is it Birgit? It's Birgit, yeah. Birgit, all right. Uh, well, um, how can we still allow people flying into this country without screening? Uh, yeah, I mean. As much as I'm no fan of a police state, yeah, I, I, you know, and and just does feel a little bit big, you know, sort of Orwellian, doesn't it? But yes, I think I think I think you're you're probably right. It does seem uh, like there is going to have to be some tightening in in border. I, in fact, I've just one of my reporters has just sent me a, a note saying that 
at our local airport here, they, you know, they're setting up all the, the testing for temperatures and screening and all that kind of thing. Um, so I do, I do wonder if there will be some kind of announcement with regards to people coming here, if they'll still have to isolate or whatever. I'm not sure. What do you think? Uh, well, I think they. I, I mean, I think they were talking about that, weren't they? And yeah. um, and it's clearly going to happen. But whether it's a case of shutting the stable door after the horses bolted yeah. is another yeah. matter. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I think that what people can't get their heads around is the idea that it's the idea that we seem to have been hurt more by this than uh, than any other country. And I don't think, as Matt Hancock said the other day that's just because our office of national statistics is better than anybody any other country's office of national statistics. certainly not the germans i don't, I don't think yeah exactly i don't think we're counting but we're better at counting than everybody else as he seems to, to be suggesting neil ferguson's um, good i, I just think them. it's i think it's bizarre that we we are people i think people think it is bizarre that we are on an island uh yet uh, yeah in 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 central europe on the mainland of europe where there's free movement between countries um, you know, certain countries seem to have been affected a lot less than than, than, than we are. I don't so, think we. I don't, I don't think at this stage we can make lots of. Um, we can have lots of uh, debate about why we have been uh, affected more than than the likes of Germany or you know countries that have. Uh, I mean, they are bigger countries, but it, it, it is it's an odd, it's an odd one, and and it, and I, I imagine. It has something to do with how prepared we were, but I'm guessing. So I, I'm willing to yeah. wait and see, really, on it. I mean, the, the fact that it is true is devastating and heartbreaking for you know for all of us. Uh, we will, in time, hopefully find out why. And then next time, you know, a Black Swan event like this happens, we can be more prepared. Because clearly there was some issue with how prepared we were or weren't. There was clearly some issue with that. Yes, there were. Yes, there, there was, and there other countries have been better prepared. Yeah. Um, what about these other two questions? What uh, uh, that are about this? Helen Austin is saying, "Why isn't there more information on how to get the test? Where you get testing kits from? How they use them? Uh, how you use them, and all of that?" Well, I mean, that's because testing kits at the moment are um, well, they're not antibody testing kits. So if, for a start, they're, they're tests to see whether you've got coronavirus got right now. Yeah, just got it. Um, not, yeah. And and they are being uh, and they are being uh, carried out at the moment for key workers um, only. Um, so I think that is that's that, that is that's why. I, I'm just going to. just also says. I'm just going to apologise for a, for a bleep that you <laughs> listener will have heard, but Steve, you didn't. My apologies for my bleeping phone. Um, but sorry, Steve, you key workers, um, and and more widely getting them, aren't they? But I think you you were right in in what you said about um, it, the fact that I mean this is a, con- a confused situation. Let me take an example. A friend of mine's mum applied for a test on Sunday morning um, out here in the east of England and was told that yes, she could go and get a test. She could go there right away, but it would be in Belfast. Wow. <laughs> so there is a lot of confusion here. Um, this was an automated service, obviously, and it was a it was a sort of like a computer error. In fact, all the test slots have been taken up everywhere between the east of England and Belfast, basically. So the next available right. slot was in Belfast. So obviously, you couldn't, couldn't go to Belfast, and we're actually suggesting she went to Belfast. But um, I think that is a good indicator of the fact that the government has tried to get 
very complicated things moving as quickly as possible and there are elements where it isn't working as well as it could and I dare say if they'd been given a year's run-up it would work better. Um, so I'm not trying to find an excuse for the government. That That is the reason. They wouldn't admit to that but that is that you know that, that is the reason that it's not as good as it should be. But yes, I agree. I think um helen with you i think that the information regarding testing isn't there yet um it it hasn't been good enough throughout no one's really clear if they can get a test or not and if someone in their house is vulnerable can they have a test you know it's been confused and i think until the point where we basically say right anyone can have a test which i think we're kind of almost there aren't we with that now then yeah you know that, that i think that will help things but then as you say, people are confused about whether it's an antibody test, whether it's a... Because um, currently the tests are, have you got it there and then? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which, uh, I mean... But but, Helen, you're right to say testing our way through this epidemic is key. And it's, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's just going to grow. Ollie FLJ is, is asking why Boris Johnson, now he's back, is not leading the daily press briefing every time. Obviously, Ollie's saying, I understand these been ill i understand he's had the birth of his child but you know is this another case of boris johnson hiding from the public like he did after brexit during the heathrow vote you know like, like we saw him doing during the election yeah. campaign yeah i mean um, uh, you know let's let's be honest but Bor- he is in charge isn't he he is and and but you know i i have to admit i'm a bit more surprised we haven't seen him as much um i i mean what, what i would say is that Coronavirus does take a while to recover from it, it you know, and it, and it is only what three weeks since he was in a really bad state. Mm. Um, so I would probably give him the benefit of the doubt there. I don't think that he's working half days. Um, I, I don't think that the fact that he's got a new baby in the house is is any kind of. Um, I don't think that is impacting it. I think the fact that he's probably, you know, he's not. He's not a young, young man, is he? He's not an old man, but he's not a young, young man. And I imagine it will take him a while to get over this and then work in what will be, without doubt, Boris or no Boris, 14, 15, 16 hour days, is going to be tough. However, yes, I agree with you that if I was advising him, I'd say, why not, you know, not do this and do this instead? Because I think the country would really like to see Boris front and centre. But I don't think, whereas before there has been... Uh, there has been a belief that get, get you know don't put Boris on this show. Get don't put him in front of this journalist. Mm. Get him on with Phil and whatever her name is Holly rather than yeah, um, yeah. rather than the Nick Robinson and Andrew Marr. Uh, but on, on this occasion, I don't think that's the case. I think it's I think it's probably just a just the fact that he's he's not fully fit yet um, and. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I, I agree that really, ideally, you should be taking them probably every day, if not two, you know, th- three times a week, sort of thing. Um, m- maybe that will come back. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's dodging on purpose. But I do agree, Ollie, that'd be better if he was doing them. Uh, Bonnie, who I don't think is Bon, our Bonnie Greer. It's uh, it's Bonnie from Twitter. Says, uh, what will Rory Stewart? Glory for Rory Stewart. Yeah. What, what will Rory Stewart do next? Because uh, obviously Rory Stewart has, has, has uh, withdrawn from the uh, from the race to be uh, Rory, London yeah. Mayor. When's, when's the vote for that? Is that this year or next year? Well, it's been delayed now, so it's it's going to be next year now. It's going to be uh, next year, right? Yeah, it would have, would have been now. Um, 
okay. So it, it's 2021 now. I, I, I mean, I'm really sad. He got what he, I don't think he had the numbers to win. Um, and I think um, I, I don't know much about the Tory candidate. Uh, so maybe t- maybe maybe Rory is thinking along those lines and and perhaps eyeing up a return to the party. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Mm. Um, but uh, but he did what he did have and what and the name of the candidate slips my mind now. But um, he, he had cross party support from the people who did support him from left and right and, and a lot of centrists. And and if anyone's going to be um, if anyone's going to be uh, um, I've forgotten the name of the London Mayor. Oh my uh, goodness, Sadiq Khan. Uh, Sadiq Khan. Um, then they're going to need yeah. that. They are going to need, you know, he's going to have to take votes from the natural Labour voters or the centrist Labour voters and from the Tories as well. Rory did that, just probably not in the right amount of numbers. Um, but it was strange. I, I thought he would have seen it through. Um, so I don't know what happens next for for Rory Stewart, but I am, as you're aware, a big fan. In fact, I, in fact, I was wearing my glory for Rory underpants only the other day. Uh, and you know it was it, it it promised so much at the time, and in the end it turned into just a little sort of sad farewell on on his Twitter account, didn't it? Now you have to refresh my memory because it isn't as good as it as good as it should be. But when Rory Stewart was leading the sort of anti Brexiteer uh, thing from within the Tory Party, did we make mention of the fact that he once locked himself in Prince Charles's reinforced uh, panic room? Uh, a toilet. This guy's got so many stories. So I many mean, stories. It's, just fan- it's fantastic. I, I, I read this. He's the father of the dragons as well, isn't he? He's the father of dragons. But in 2010, apparently Rory Stewart is very close to Prince Charles and they've been big mates since, right. I think, since the old walk through Afghanistan and all right. of this kind right. of stuff. Never knew. Never knew. And, in, and in 2010, he went to Highgrove and he went to the toilet and it turned out to be a specially reinforced wired toilet in case of an attack. And he turned the wrong button uh, and um, and he locked himself in. And uh, Prince Charles had to be... He, sh- he was shouting so much that Prince Charles turned up in his dressing gown uh, and apparently was shouting through the door, don't be ridiculous... Don't I can't do the Prince Charles's accent. Don't be ridiculous. Turn the key in the lock. Be ridiculous. But the key broke, and security <laughs> men had to break down the toilet door with axes. Do you know what? Rory <laughs> Stewart, Rory Stewart is an absolute star. Well, I, please, please, can we have Rory Stewart in public life somehow? Because he's just pretty, it's great. Isn't it's it? like a cross between James Bond and Frank Spencer, isn't he? <laughs> <He's> like, he is. <laughs> he's a man of action. Who looks like Mr. Bean? Who, who arrives, you know, arrives on arrives with roller skates on and grabbing on the back of a Route Master bus. Um, he's extraordinary. I, I mean, it's a great story. And that, no, we didn't know that because we did a big Rory Stewart quiz, didn't we? But no, we that, did that, do that a big Rory Stewart quiz. But this is the first I've heard there of this, go. and I thought, dude, I thought, have we mentioned this? But I think I would have remembered. Uh, but brilliant, he wa- he walked all the way across Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, safely, but he couldn't go for a poo in <laughs> Prince Charles's house. Oh, surely he wasn't having... a poo. <laughs> well, you never know, do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you've got to go, you've got to go. Uh, finally, in the reader's question round, Chris H says, has anyone seen the Liberal Democrats and should we send out a search party? <laughs> Which the, is a bit cruel, the... isn't it? But what is, the, the what is the place? 
Seen who? I don't know. Do you know? Do you know what? The other day, I was I was sat there thinking. Um, I, I was sat there thinking, who is who is actually the interim leader of the Liberal Democrats? <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> of course, it is Ed Davey. It's Ed Davey and um, um, and Lady. Um, oh, and uh, uh, Baroness Lady, Lady uh, Baroness Brinton, who yes. we, we who we've met, haven't we? We yeah. met her at the New European Party. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. Um, but but it is, and I mean. Are they are they wise to be staying out? There's a lot of the limelight. There is, I say limelight. There is, uh, there is really not much for the Liberal Democrats to do at the moment, apart from to have a good think about things, is there? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I get um, all the press releases from the parties, and I can't remember the last time I got a press release from Lib Dems. I really can't. Mm-hmm. Uh. They do seem to have disappeared. Even the idea that Joe Swinson <clears throat> would be. Uh, would be back in um, in the Scottish Parliament. Yeah. Uh, seems to have died down, doesn't it? I think yeah. there, were, there was some talk that somebody would resign uh, and let her stand in their seat, and then now that seems to have gone by the wayside. And of course, like the mayoral election, the 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 Holyrood election has been postponed until twenty twenty one as well. So yeah. she can't get she can't get back in just yet. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, listen. Thanks for the reader's yeah, question. That's great. And do do send us the questions because I, I think what we're finding during lockdown is that, um, the it, you know as the weeks roll on, sometimes there's there's actually not a lot of movement on the normal stuff we would we would talk about. So it's it's really nice to interact with you guys. So please, you know, keep them coming anytime on on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll tell you at the end of the um, at the end of the podcast how you can contact us on social media. Um, but we're already many many minutes into this into this podcast Steve so we should probably rattle through some stuff should we t- should we talk about um Kia versus Boris because that was kind of the first well it was the let's f- talk, first time let's huh? talk about Kia versus Boris and then then we can um and then we can tie up the quiz um uh I mean Kia versus Boris I think we said we've said this before I think Keir Starmer is the worst possible opponent for Boris Johnson yeah it's brilliant Boris Johnson is Mr. Scattergon, yeah. Keir Starmer is like a, a, a sniper, isn't he? Boris Johnson is, you know, bombastic. Uh, Mr. Boombastic. <laughs> uh, Keir Starmer is Mr. Forensic. He's not the o- that's it, not the only Shaggy song that Boris has sung in the past, I imagine. <laughs> it was, yes, I imagine. It wasn't me. It, well, it was me. <laughs> it was me. Um, and we saw that again, didn't we? You know, Boris Johnson, there he, there he is facing Keir Starmer for the first time. And he says, uh, well, you, you know, these, these international comparisons that you keep bringing up are, are, are pointless. And Keir Starmer says, well, I'm bringing them up because of yeah. this piece of paper, which your government puts out every day. So far. And then he says, and then he says, you've got the wrong information. And Keir Starmer says, well, it's from the, your government briefing from yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly so far. Um, Kier has put, seems to have put, have put a decent team around him. I mean, I know we're only a few weeks in, but yep. his campaign was steady and safe so far. On this, I think he's I think he's been brilliant in the first few weeks. I, you know, it's yeah. no great surprise that I'm I am a fan of Keir Starmer, and um, I think that he was superb at PMQs this week. I think he's been great up against Dominic Raab as well. But you know, it's kind of a free pass and it's a free hit when you're up against Dominic Raab but there was an incredible moment and I'm just writing a column about it as we, as we record this actually where Kia um, sort of nailed Boris on something or and, and Boris sort of looked looked behind him because of course what Boris actually needs is a crowd <coughs> he needs 
he's good at gene at momentum and getting people behind him, even if even if um, what he's saying is complete nonsense. Um, he, he needs that. Uh, those numbers behind Hopefully. him, I think. That's really acted. That's really not worked for him, has it? No, and and the, the, you know, and, and the fact that, that Parliament, yeah, there. exactly, the fact that Parliament is empty, it, it, it is working for Steer. Uh, steer, Steer Karma, <laughs> Steer Karma. <laughs> well, I said braying mod a minute ago, like Paul Weller was there going, <laughs> braying mod. F off you. <laughs> Steer karma. Um, that's what that's what you would say to someone who steer karma versus the brain mod. Steer, steer karma. That's what you'd say to someone who who uh, who maybe kept kept veering into the central reservation on a motorway. <laughs> <laughs> steer karma, man. Um, yeah, Keir Starmer. Um, uh, is, is obviously this is perfect for him because it's almost like a court, isn't it? Um, you know, an actual court of law. Um, yeah, I, I know that some of the rules are the same, and I think it probably, I think it probably is classed as a, is it classed as a legal car? I'm not sure. It's got privilege, doesn't it? But um, it, it's perfect for him because there's not the shouting and stuff. So I, I absolutely cannot wait until, and God knows when it will be. And I'm, I'm a fan of the bear pit. You know, I like that debate and, yeah. the, and the papers and the shouting. I know lots of people don't, but I do. And it will be fantastic then to see. Um, you know, when it's a, a more of an equal playing field, how Kia does, I think he'll still be fantastic because I, I think he's they're drilling down. It's forensic, isn't it? And um, yes, it is. And that is absolutely where Boris is is weakest. Well, I think you know one thing that they will have picked up from the last two weeks, um, him against Rob and now him against Johnson, is that. You know, Keir Starmer is a lawyer. He is going to set these little traps for you. They've blundered into all of the traps so far. And, you know, it stands to reason that they are going to stop blundering into the traps soon. Because if Keir Starmer suggests something to you, you know, it's not going to be like, um, it's not going to be like when Jeremy Corbyn, uh, you know, railed against the state of the world and the, the general, you know, these these are going to be quite small, quite targeted things that he, that he, little mines that he, he plants in order to, uh, to blow up in, in the, in the government's face. Um, and, um, and so they, they are going to have to learn not to question Keir Starmer's figures and stuff like that in the way that they were able to uh, to come back against Jeremy Corbyn and say, well, that's wrong. Actually, we've invested this much in, in, in this much. Um, when he when he said, you know, health service funding is down yeah. and school funding is crumbling yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. you know, that isn't going to work. He is his figures are going to be right, and he's not going to talk in general terms. The second thing is, it, it shows how bad the last five years of opposition Absolutely. has been. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. they are, because not not in not in terms of Keir Starmer being brilliant. Because I think he has been very good so far, good to very good. But in terms of how complacent the government have allowed themselves to be, you know, they fall into those traps because they're just not used to it. They're not being they're not used to being knocked around uh, like this, and uh, and that goes for Jeremy Corbyn, and I'm afraid it goes for quite a lot of the people. Um, who he had on the shadow front bench as well. So I do I think wonder. It's, uh, there are difficult questions. You know, there are difficult times ahead. I do wonder if um, if there's a big hire looming for Boris behind the scenes because you know th- thus far he's you know his, t- his two most trusted advisers, Lee Kane and and Dominic Cummings, are kind of. 
part of the gang, you know, from from mm, the sort yeah. of leave. You know, they've kind of been around Boris for for a good few years now, and there was even a time when you know Dominic wasn't in government or anything, but him, him and Boris still very much were in contact yeah. during that period. And Lee's been around Boris now for for quite a few years. But I do wonder if it needs if if, if that team just needs someone to bolster it, almost like uh, you know someone who is, is just on Kia. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm, I'm tied up with this job at the moment. Else, I would have been perfect. But um, you know, or maybe, maybe you could do it, Steve. I don't know. Uh, well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I guess they could say, <laughs> look, the next election isn't till December 2024. Who really cares if we get a monster in in, in Parliament? You know, it's it's <laughs> about Facebook now. It's about yeah, social media. It's, it's not about what happens there. I don't um, know because I think I think Kia is happy to wait and it just builds and builds and builds and yeah. they're you know it, it, this guy's good this guy's good and finally I feel like we've got a more a, 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 you know a, a politics that whether you like the leader and like the government or not it's all you know it's always good to have a strong opposition because then you get the best results for the whole country and um, I feel like we're Getting back to a decent place, um, and, and that, yeah. is, that is very heartening. Listen, we're, we are now, massively over. Should we, we do the quiz over. questions? Let's, let's get on to this quiz, yeah. and, and I'll tell you what it's prompted by. It is prompted by, just as, just as you know, Chris H. was saying, should we send out a third party for the Liberal Democrats? You know, we've heard so little of, from Theresa May, haven't we, um, since she left number 10. We, 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 you know, we saw it sort of voting with Boris Johnson uh, for his Brexit deal and stuff like that, despite the fact that he scuppered hers. Um, but apart from that, and she sort of returned to the public eye this week and she she wrote a, a thing that was in the Times, I think it was in other newspapers, uh, and she, you know, it, it made complete sense. She said that it's a, it's a disgrace that there's not been a global coalition on how best to fight coronavirus. She says this is going to push the world towards uh, nationalism. She says what's needed now is multilateral international cooperation. She says the UK should be at the start of all of that. And, of course, what she, what she left unsaid was that, you know, if, look, if, if Barack Obama was in the White House, if Hillary Clinton was in the White House, um, then the, the US would be leading a, a global concerted effort to defeat this, and instead the the leader of the free world, um, well, he's, he's stepped, abdicated, hasn't he, as leader of the free world. Anyway, I mean, people said this is sheer hypocrisy uh, because Theresa May said, you know, citizen of the world, you're a citizen of nowhere, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but she was actually she was actually right. But it did get me thinking about what happens to prime ministers after okay, they stop being good. prime minister. Yeah, so I've yeah, got yeah. five questions for you. Yeah, it's not right. multiple choice. Okay, because I know you're good on these. I'm going to be good at this. So. Here we go. Which prime minister? We're doing the questions afterwards, yeah. We'll do the. I don't, you don't mean to shout the, them we'll out. Do the answers after Brexiteer of the week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, which prime minister uh, hosted a Friday night chat show after resigning as prime minister? Is even another name of the chat show. Question one. Question two. Which prime minister's autobiography revealed that during the Second World War he had commanded an army firing squad? Ooh. That's number two. Which Prime Minister, number three, which Prime Minister, two years after resigning, went on a cruise to restore his health and died in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah. And question yeah. four, 
which Prime Minister was so humiliated in the election that deposed him, which resulted in 171 lost seats for his party, mm. that when, when Parliament returned, he had to act as the leader of the opposition, the shadow foreign secretary, and the shadow defence secretary. And then oh, question God, five, which Prime Minister's official papers revealed that in office he had developed an addiction to amphetamines? Okay. So I'll just go through them for you one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, which Prime Minister hosted a Friday night chat show after resigning? Which Prime Minister, number two, which Prime Minister's autobiography revealed that in the Second World War he commanded an army firing squad? Mm-hmm. Number three, which Prime Minister, two years after he resigned, went on a cruise to restore his health and died in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Number four, which Prime Minister was so humiliated in the election that deposed him uh, that he had to act as leader of the opposition, shadow foreign secretary, and shadow defence secretary when Parliament wow. returned. Uh, and then, lastly, number five, which Prime Minister's official papers revealed that while he was in office, he developed an addiction to amphetamines. Okay, I certainly so know some to of them. Ponder those. I certainly know some of them. All right, well, you guys have a think. We'll have a little break, and we'll be back with a Brexit of the week after this. <laughs> Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back. Now, Steve, I, I do need to apologise. We, we've had a, a slight technical, some slight technical issues <laughs> during the news. You will have heard my phone ping twice and then ring once. I can only apologise. I'm trying to do a million things all at once. It will never happen again. Do, can you forgive me? Well, is it, uh, you better check it, hadn't you? Is it? What if it's Boris Johnson has resigned? It's not. It's it's none of those things. Uh, it, it, it's not Boris Johnson's resigned. I did it, during the break there. I did have I did have a little check. And uh, is it? Do you, is it? Do you want um, fish fingers for tea again? <laughs> it, it, along those lines. It's along, along those, those lines. lines. It's a yeah. domestic arrangement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we do some Brexiteers of the week then? Let's do it. Listen, I, I start. I, I think it's now traditional that I start this section by reading out an extract from <laughs> Anne Widdicombe's Daily Express column. A lack, a lack. I, I have to, and I'm going to. I'm going to read out this extract with absolutely no commentary at all. Okay. <laughs> My lawn currently looks like a meadow, <laughs> carpeted with daisies oh, and no. <laughs> dandelions and buttercups. I no. rather like it. <laughs> Been... I wonder if, when things return to normal, I will want to return to my lawn looking as if it has been trimmed with manicure scissors, or have I permanently been converted to the natural look? I, I read that out from Anne Widdicombe's column with no comment whatsoever. Next. Alison Pearson is a Brexiteer of the week. Uh, the Telegraph columnist, the humble handmaiden of Brexit, yeah. she told a, a Leavers rally pre-lockdown, uh, on Monday, May the 4th, the day 288 fatalities were announced, she tweeted, you, you remember, she tweeted, remember 450 people die of cancer every day. Well, I mean, she's right, isn't she? But if you could stop 450 people dying of cancer every day by 
preventing people from standing next to one another, I think we would probably give it a go. Um, Alison Pearson uh, drew giggles. Uh, she drew a lot of condemnation for that. She drew a lot of giggles um, on the same day for, by tweeting a photo of what she had been told was a bonfire treatment to uh, Colonel Tom Moore, the 100-year-old who, uh, who, who collected all that money by um, by going around his garden. Uh, so she said, it was. this is a bonfire tribute to, to Colonel Tom Moore. Can you retweet it? It turned out that it was actually a picture of the giant burning effigy that Edward Woodward is sacrificed in, in the, at the end of The Wicker Man. Um, yes. So, um, so uh, ridicule there for Alison Pearson, quite uh, rightly. Yeah, yes. uh, Connor Burns, we should say goodbye to him. Oh, He's a mate well, of Boris Connor. Johnson's, isn't Huge. he? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. had to resign as a trade minister. He, he, his dad uh, is trying to get, uh, been trying to get a loan repaid uh, that he gave to a company some years ago, and uh, Connor Burns attempted to sort of—I mean, he sort of attempted to put the frighteners on him, didn't he? Um, he wrote on the common-headed newspaper. <laughs> Yeah, he sort of wrote, you know, my role in the public eye could attract interest, especially if I was to use parliamentary privilege to raise this oh, case. Um, so yeah. he was he was um, suspended from the Commons and now he's resigned Silly. as Trade Minister. He's in this because we all might have forgotten that when he was working for Boris Johnson uh, in 2017, he sent his Twitter account, sent a series of aggressive messages to Michel Barnier. Uh, which greatly amused me at the time. And it's, it's, they sort of said, you must publish the legal basis on which Britain uh, needs to pay the, the divorce bill. And uh, Connor Burns um, soon sort of explained that his Twitter account had been hacked. And uh, the tweets, it turned out, called for Barnier. They said things like, you need to quote the correct treaty obligations and directives. And, and as we said at the time, it was just Connor Burns' luck to have been hacked by a hacker with detailed knowledge of EU law, instead of a hacker who would just put a picture of a random <laughs> penis. Uh, Daniel Kaczynski, uh, he's, a, he's been in here before, the Shropshire MP last year. He was ranting, over, uh, ranting about MPs who wished to overturn the will of the British people. Now, he seems willing to overturn the will of the British people, as expressed as uh, the, the Welsh people, rather, as expressed at two referendums. Uh, Daniel Kaczynski tweeted um, that he looked forward to the day when we return to one parliament and one policy for the United Kingdom. He said the Welsh Parliament was a massive additional expense. It was just another layer of red tape. His tweets have now uh, disappeared. Uh, somebody has had a quiet word with him. Um, and maybe um, he's read up and seen that, uh, you know, there have been two referendums, uh, two referendums about um, having a Welsh Parliament, 1997. 2011, both of them backed uh, devolution in Wales, um, a considerably higher percentage than backed his beloved Brexit. And uh, as recently as March, uh, there was another poll about whether the uh, Senate should be scrapped or not. 83% said they wanted to keep it. Uh, but the Brexiteer of the Week, as he was the Brexiteer of the Week last week, is, is our friend Nigel Farage, the Nicotine Stain Manfrog. He is, and it's over the same thing again because. We talked last week about his 100-mile trip to Kent. Um, he's been out again, hasn't he? Um, he's been in Sussex, I believe, um, in this sort of search for illegal migrants. Um, and while he's doing this and travelling hundreds of miles from his home, um, on Monday he told listeners to his LBC show uh, that he was sick of lockdown breakers. He said people are popping out for the day in absolutely huge numbers. 
it seems to me that there's a middle-class hypocrisy here. It's as if lockdown needs to stay, but lockdown really is for everybody else and not me. And that's exactly what he's doing. And it's incredible, isn't it, that Nigel Farage is now the one who's upset about people having their freedom of movement taken away. So Nigel Farage is the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Nigel. Not for the first time, and I presume not for it the last. It won't be the... It's not going to be the last. Now, <laughs> let's quickly do these answers. Yeah. Uh, which Prime Minister hosted a Friday night chat show after resigning? Um... Oh, that's that's the easy one. That was a chat show, which I think was called Friday Night, Saturday Morning. It and, was. Uh, and uh, it was Harold Wilson. It was Harold Wilson. And he spoke to, uh, he was on for, it was a weird, ch- weird kind of chat show that it had, um, it's often sort of said that Harold Wilson was going to be the permanent host, but that's not true. They changed host, not every week, like something like Saturday Night Live, they changed host every two weeks. So he hosted a two-week stint, but it's remembered um, as it, I mean, it, it really wasn't very it wasn't very good, and it's remembered as, as a kind of you know was this the start of of, um, of sort of Harold Wilson's long battle as it, it turned out with um, with Parkinson's disease. Um, I think he uh, he interviewed Harry Seacombe, he interviewed uh, Pat Phoenix, who was Elsie Tanner on Coronation Street, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it, it sort of seemed a bit. Uh, seemed a bit slow, um, and uh, yeah, so that's often viewed as the start of Harold Wilson's decline. Unfortunately, which Prime Minister's autobiography revealed that he had commanded an army firing squad during the Second World War? Well, I, I, I didn't know this one top my head, but I know Edward Heath. I think it's Edward Heath. It is Edward Heath. Yes. It is Edward Heath. Uh, it's um, it's a uh, a very interesting more. moment in a very uh, dull memoir, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he was. Um, I mean, Edward Heath has sort of had an incredible war. He, he he went to Germany or pre-war. He was in Germany in, in the late nineteen thirties mm. and, and actually met some of the Nazi high command. Uh, then he was an officer in the Second World War, and uh, he commanded a firing squad. Uh, there was a, a which shot uh, an, uh, an Austrian who'd been convicted of, of raping somebody. Yeah, he, he, um, so, he, so he commanded them because I think I, I think um, I, I haven't actually read his biography, but I'm, he never actually. I don't think he killed anyone, did he? I think you think he was. Quite, no, he didn't. Yeah, no, he gave the orders to fire because he was. Um, I think he was quite keen to tell everyone after the war that he'd never actually he hadn't actually killed anyone. That's right. Yes, that's right. He said um, he said he didn't sleep well that night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Neither, I suppose, did the Austrian uh, soldier. But there you go. Um, which prime well, minister? Probably two did years actually. Didn't he? he did sleep well. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which prime minister two years after resigning went on a cruise to restore his health, but died in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Uh, that's Ramsay Macdonald. That is Ramsay Macdonald. Yes. They said a cruise will be good for you. He, he was going to cruise to South America and then have a little rest in South America. He <coughs> said to have told his neighbour that he wasn't going to come. He didn't think he would come back. Uh, and uh, and he was absolutely right. Um, yeah. Uh, so he left office in 1935. <coughs> and he, he was dead. Uh, he was dead two years later, 1937. Yeah, yeah. Um, question four, which Prime Minister was so humiliated in the election... Uh, that when he came back, he was not only leader of the opposition, he was also shadow, shadow foreign secretary and shadow defence secretary. Well, Just I imagine got... the 
Imagine the meetings of the Shadow Cabinet. <laughs> well, what do you think about that? And then he scurried round. And, oh, well, I would say I was dead against it. What about you, Shadow Defence Secretary? Well, this is a... Go on. Well, at first, I, the, I scribbled down here 171, and I was thinking, well... How many seats did the Tories lose in 97? Now, I think it was 178, actually, or I don't think it was 171, but also John Major very quickly moved out, didn't he? Um, so it can't be John Major. It must be before that. So I was trying to think of landslide defeats, and I don't think I've got this right, but I'm going to go with Lloyd George. It actually is John Major. Oh! Um, even though he turned up having resigned, um, where did he turn up at Lords? Was it the, the next day? Or I think the it was Oval the Oval, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Which should, be, which should be close to his old stomping ground, wouldn't it? He um, he he did stay on for seven weeks as the leader of the opposition um, before William Hague was installed, and during that time he was a leader of opposition, Shadow Foreign Secretary, and Shadow Defence. Do you get extra money I don't know. for doing did that? Make a fortune he, during that period. Did it? Was he on? Was he on triple triple pay? So all that, God, I wish um, I'd gone question, for that. So all I could remember there was that that famous bit where he said because um, he made he he actually made quite a good resignation speech you know, where he said something really magnanimous like. Um, uh, when the curtain comes down, you know it's time to go yeah. or something, didn't he? Something along those lines. Oh man, it's time to get off that the stage. Annoying. That's right. That's annoying. Yeah, uh, and lastly, which prime minister's <clears throat> official papers revealed that in office he had developed an addiction to amphetamine? Uh, I I didn't know he was addicted to him, but so maybe I'm wrong with this. But I think certainly during the um, oh uh, Suez Canal crisis. Um, Anthony Eden was said to be an amphetamine, so I'm going to go for Anthony Eden. That's absolutely right. It is Anthony Eden. I mean, he was he, he was um, he was ill for an awful lot of his, um, of his, his his sort of blighted term as prime minister. Because it wasn't like he was popping um, around the street corner and buying some, you know, speed. No, he it wasn't. wasn't. Like, he, he, some whiz. He, he he was he he was ill. He had an ulcer. Um, and then he had some. Um, so he had a, so he had his appendix out. Uh, he had then he had some kind of uh, infection related to that. And what they did was they put him on uh, benzodrine, which um, which is a form of amphetamine. He used to be able to take it in inhalers and stuff like that. That's right, benzodrine. Um, um, and uh, so he was on that. I think later. On, they put him on uh, what what the what the mobs uh, who we mentioned earlier on the baying mobs <laughs> the baying used mods. to call purple heart which were yeah. um, they were big in the were, 60s the big in the 60s he was a pioneer of the purple heart yeah. and they were a mixture of amphetamines and barbiturates so they were an upper and a downer all at the same time wow. um, and he sort of he was taking these and as you say. You know, it's said, although it's it's obviously hotly denied by his family and people like this. This affected his his judgment in the uh, in around the time of the the, the Suez crisis. Yes, yes, um, so um, so yeah, so it was Anthony Eden, and at one point, I mean, he, he, he was so he was so affected by these um, these uh, all these illnesses that not only did he he was on the benzodrine, he was on these other things, but he at one case, one point, he, he was carrying around a little attaché case 
of his medications, and he had all this stuff in it, and he had morphine in it as well. Blimey. So, um, so he was kind of, you know, he was rattling around like uh, like Danny the dealer from With Nail and I at one point, uh, and sadly that point turned out to be the point in which he was running the country. So Anthony Eden. The Renton, so you did well there. The Renton of British politics. I did do well there, didn't I? I'm really annoyed about question four. I'm really annoyed about yeah. that. Um, yeah. I, I've got a bonus question for you. Benzedrine, which, alter, which American alternative rock band uh, used Benzedrine as a lyric in a 1990s hit? Which American alternative rock band? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is it Nirvana? No. R.E.M. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, I'm not oh, a big. Okay. I'm not a big fan of uh, REM, but uh, I do like that song. It's I got like a good story. Song, yeah, good song, good story behind it as well, which we'll let the listener find out for yeah. themselves. Yes, it's well worth it's well worth delving into the, uh, the story of the it man is. who said, "What's the frequency, Kenneth?" Absolutely fascinating. Uh, what should the listener before they do that? What should they do now? Do go and leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. Do go and buy the print edition of The New European, £3 in all good news agents. Do join our Facebook readers group and like us on Facebook. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us that you do in your thousands. If you haven't already, use your trip to the supermarket and buy yourself a copy of the New European. It is on sale now. It's £3. It's full of news, full of politics probably some coronavirus in there as well, but also lots of art and culture, as always. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, take it away with those bagpipes. Here you go. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.